All right, quite the football game on Saturday, 41-3, to Louisville over Syracuse. Lots to discuss today on the football front. Will Syracuse still be going bowling this year? Will Sterling Gilbert be coming back next year? Garrett Trader's post-game press conference. Lots to get into, plus we will touch on your Twitter thoughts from the, throughout the week as well. It's all coming up on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. Thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky here with you as always. And we delayed the football talk to today, Ty, because I think we just couldn't stomach it yesterday, partially after whatever that was that happened in Louisville. I've decided it's supposed to be a never... good vibes Monday. A good vibe. I know. We should Monday just never play Louisville Monday. again. Right. I think, yeah. Send them back to the the biggies, or maybe Syracuse go back to the biggies because uh, the football <laughs> hasn't been hasn't been great over the past decade or so. But there was so much wrong with this game. I mean, that's the effort you're going to put forth coming out of a bye. That's embarrassing. That's really yeah. really embarrassing. Just flat in all phases, it, and I'm including the fourth phase here with coaching because nothing is being done to help these players out, and they just didn't look ready. You don't come out of a bye and lose by that margin. Right. And you tweeted out a good point on Dino Babers out of the bye week. It's not looking great these numbers? to this point. I, yeah. You want these numbers? Them. All right. Year six of Dino Babers. A lot of coaches with these numbers don't get to year six. But here we are. Year six of Dino Babers. Two and six record on the first game out of a bye week. Remember, they've had two double buys during his career. He's scoring 18.8 points per game. You're an offensive guru, an offensive genius, and you're scoring 18.8 points per game out of a bye week. You're allowing 31.2 points per game. So for those doing the math at home, that's an average point differential of negative 12.4 out of a bye week. And you've got 30-point losses or more three times. Half of those losses have come by 30 or more. And if you get rid Not of good. one of the outliers here, like let's say you get rid of the worst one and the best one, okay? So the best win out of a bye is the 49-6 to victory over Duke, and your worst loss is the 54 nothing loss to Clemson. If you get rid of those two, the numbers are even worse. So like I, I haven't done the exact math on it there because I just kind of thought of those off the top of my head, but if you throw out the worst one and you throw out the best one, which is sometimes the best way to evaluate things, that is still super alarming stuff with what those numbers would be. Right. I guess a lot of it has been without Eric Dungy as well, potentially due to injury. And there were a couple of years we just didn't win in the late stages of the season. And I'm hoping that it's not going to be the case this year. My number one takeaway from this game is that it felt like we went back in time to last year and the offensive line was so bad and so incompetent that they couldn't win the football game, basically. And you look at yeah. PFF's numbers summarizing this game, 36.7 grade for pass blocking in this game. And if you're, I think a lot of casual fans out there are sort of sitting back and thinking, wow, the offensive line has gotten a lot better this year. The numbers on PFF haven't been good for the offensive no. line all year. It's a 54 grade for the year. And that's the worst mark in the ACC. It's just Garrett traders a little bit better equipped to sort yeah. of mask those inefficiencies, but Darius Tisdale is forced to play right tackle here. You don't have Chris Blight. You don't have Chris Elmore again, which is another big loss. And it doesn't seem great that you're going to get him back this week. And Tisdale was 
just really bad at right tackle. 41.9 grade for him individually. It's it's one of those things where I think Matthew Bergeron has gotten better, and you kind of laid yeah. it out. Garrett Schrader is just a better player at getting out of some of these dicey situations, at maneuvering through the pocket and trying to turn it into something out of nothing, make chicken you-know-what into chicken salad. And I look at th – this is the difference, though, is that just because he can escape the pocket, but he still hasn't shown the ability to throw the football. So what's the cost here? You're not gaining a whole heck of a lot. When, I mean, you look at it, this game, Garrett Schrader's held under 50 yards throwing the football. You're not going to win games like that in the year 2021. Unless you're a, a triple option team where you are literally committed to one phase of the football game offensively, you're not going to win games throwing for less than 50 yards like Garrett did in this game. Yeah, in Louisville, they had a simple game plan that a lot of teams have started to pick up on. They pressured and pressured and pressured. They stacked the box. They spied mm -hmm. Garrett Schrader basically every single play, it seemed like. And Sterling Gilbert countered with the same old vanilla plays that we've been seeing from him all season long or really the same offense. I thought, you know, maybe off a of bye week, they would come out with a couple more trick plays, a couple just different sets, different formations. But they got down early, and the problem is when this offense isn't clicking and they're not moving the chains, it just feels like it gets it hits rock bottom really early in some of these games. And it had been a while since we'd had one of these duds, but this is what we've come to expect kind of in this Dino era. There's always one or two of these every year. It took till after the bye week, sort of weirdly this year, a very late bye week, but this was a total dud from the offense. And Garrett Schrader said something very alarming after the game. He said... This game fell out of hand after being down three scores. Your old school, Mississippi State, was just down 28-3 and went out and beat a Heisman caliber quarterback in Matt Corral. It went down 28-3. That's more than three scores in my book. So to go out and say that, that's really alarming. That, I think that kind of shows the confidence he has in his own abilities as a quarterback and as a passer. And you need to be able to throw the football. And we've kind of said this. If Syracuse gets down big in games, if they go down 10-0 early, 14-0 early, games pretty much feels over. It's not like the BC game where, okay, you've been punched in the mouth in that first half, but it's only 3-0 and you've got Sean Tucker and the other team doesn't. You can come back down a touchdown, down three points, down six points, whatever. But once you start to get into two possession and like deep two possessions, as in 13 points, 14 points, it's really tough for this team to come back because they can't throw the football. So do you think Sterling Gilbert is back next year? Not, I mean, obviously I know your opinion is they should get rid of him, but what will Dino do in your mind? I, I don't, I don't see how Dino Babers can let this man have access into the building next season. Like, like the second this season is over, he should be terminated because he has done nothing to help out the quarterback. He's had a ton of time to develop some sort of game plan for either one of these quarterbacks to succeed. And I get that you've lost pieces. All right. You've lost guys like Tommy DeVito and Taj Harris. And I mean, Taj Harris was supposed to be your best offensive weapon this year in the passing game. You lost him. That's a huge blow, right? But you lost him because you didn't tailor a, a game plan that suited him. You got to adjust to your stars. Okay. You've got guys out there that can play football, whether it's Tucker, whether it's Taj Harris, 
the quarterbacks. I think they have football. adjusted to their stars, though. They've definitely catered to Sean Tucker and gone they against their Tucker, normal offense. At a certain point, you got to be able to throw the football. And they have not been able to do that whatsoever this year. And I think it's because of the limitations of the offensive line and the limitations of the quarterback. That's certainly a part of it. But I also think that there are certain things that you can do. We talked about this early on. Get or get a Schrader out of the pocket. Let him do stuff and, and move the pocket. Make life difficult on some of these defenses. So there is the threat of the run in the pass. And Gilbert just hasn't done any of that. It seems like there's been a couple instances this year where Dino's sort of quietly thrown him under the bus for some of the time management stuff too. So I just, I can't see a situation where he's back. In fact, I'm kind of shocked he's still there right now. I think he, I actually think he probably will be back. And I know that's going to hurt some of the fan base, but I feel like Dino is definitely coaching for his job next year. And it's a gutsy call to make to, throw away your right-hand man for a while. Let's not forget that he has a long relationship with Sterling Gilbert there. Sterling Gilbert is in pretty much lockstep with running his offense. And I think Dino still believes in that offense, the way he's talked about Jimmy Garoppolo putting up numbers this week and how they're going to sell quarterbacks in the future. So going into what is basically Dino's last chance to prove that he is the head coach for the future it's a tough call to make. Now he has been more apt to making those calls recently, and he made a great one with Tony White. So I'd like to see him make the call. I'm not sure it's going to happen. And I also think these last two games are really going to determine Sterling Gilbert's fate. I'm, I'm with, like, I think this, the fate's already determined. And I get that he's been, and this might be the courtesy he's doing him by not firing him midseason. That might be the courtesy that he's doing. But because at this point, Dino Baber's job is safe. Right. He's not going anywhere. The second they won that Liberty game, he had signed up for another year here. There was no doubt about that in my mind. But it's what happens next, because if next season's bad, he's gone. I mean, the numbers that he has post by just overall, the overall body of work. You don't see coaches get seven years at the same institution with one good season. Okay, so if this team is another one that goes without a bowl and next season is another dud, then he can't be back. And the fact that he's even getting a seventh year is honestly quite shocking and just shows how much Syracuse values football. It's very low on their list of priorities. Yeah, I think it's also partially because they gave him the second contract already with the money attached to it. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare situation to get to this point. COVID played a factor, the money coming and guess in. guess what? That- you set the program way back unless you make a splash hire, and I don't know if that splash hire is going to be out there. And you got to wonder, is Doug Marone going to be on the market? Because that's the name you have to look for. But is he coming back, really? Like, I I mean, how does Syracuse convince him? He's an offensive line coach at Alabama. He's an offensive line coach at Alabama right now. Like, he should, first of all, if anyone's holding the grudge or being petty about it, that door should be wide-ass open for Doug Marone to come back to Syracuse. I agree. I just don't know if Doug Marone is welcoming that door again at this point. I mean, I, think I just don't know would. who out there takes over that that really gets the fan because, base excited. Well, 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 Doug found success. Like, remember, Syracuse was the launching pad for him to get an NFL job. Sure. And he found success. And if he thinks he can find success again, then I think it's a very, very welcoming opportunity for both parties. He obviously has the Northeast recruiting connections. He did very well. The the Athletic did some stuff on um, Syracuse and recruiting, and they talked about how Doug Marone did a a really good job with all those Northeast relationships up there, and that's the the area that Syracuse should be coveting. 
So I, I think this it would be a welcome, welcoming back party for really both sides. I, I don't see why either party would be dissuaded by it. All right, we're going to get into the chances that Syracuse does go bowling this season and some of our thoughts on that in just a little bit. But this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you want to be running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on. NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of the year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Again, that is netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. All right, college sports fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? It is daily fantasy made easy. Tim and I love using prize picks, and we know that you will too. They are the leader in college sports daily fantasy and offer more college football props than anyone in the world, including all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players that you might not have even heard of before. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown, and any user that deposits and uses our promo code Locked On will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players with an over-under on their projection on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus those projected numbers. You can even cross over sports as well, maybe a little Syracuse basketball with a little Syracuse football, and use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play to make your entry in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Plus, PrizePix offers safe and fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use our promo code locked on to get that 100% instant deposit match up to $100 or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so getting into the chances that Syracuse goes bowling now. Two more games left at NC State this week, a ranked team despite a loss to Wake in a tight game last week, and then they are back home to play Pittsburgh, who looks like they may wrap up the Coastal if they beat UVA this week before they would play that final game in the Dome next week. ESPN SP Plus, Bill Connolly's sort of metrics, has it at mm-hmm. a 43.1% chance right now that Syracuse does get to 6-6 six and six and go bowling. I think I'm pretty much right around that number, probably about 40% if I had to peg a number to it, because NC State feels like a pretty big long shot to me, but even if you pin that as like a 10% chance of them winning that game. I wouldn't game, pin it at 10. I, I, I wouldn't pin it at 10, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I don't think either of these games are very easy. Let's put it that way. Your well, easiest what, what would you test lower or higher than 10 for NC state. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd give them like a 20 to 25% chance. Yeah. I, oh, I, okay. Then yeah, I, I guess it feels very low to me. So you're probably what 40, 50% I think very, chance too. very few games. I think you have a 10, especially in conference, very few games, unless you were going up against like the Clemson's of old, you have a 10% chance to win. Um, but I, I still, 
overall, I, I think both of these games, you have a 25 to 30% chance of winning. Um, okay. So looking so at 50, 60% then? That no, they would no, no, make no, a bowl no. game? No, that I'm like 25, 30% that they make a bowl game. Okay. If you, All right. Yeah, if you go 25 and 30% on each of these games, yeah, I'm in the 25, 30% chance of them making a bowl game. Um, both of these games are going to be very tough. Very, very tough. And I look at the NC State game. That one's on the road. It's been very tough for Syracuse against NC State on the road specifically. Um, some of the worst performances. And, and listen, NC State's a team that's playing hungry right now. They, they, they I think, are going to be licking their wounds a little bit from last week, a little bit more so than Syracuse because that game for NC State was a little more important because it was a chance for them to win the ACC Atlantic. And at this point, you need to wrap up each of these last two games if you're NC State. I'm not sure if they have a fully ACC slate the rest now, of the way. Honestly, are they out of it at this point? Okay. Wake didn't even – they don't have a conference loss still. Wake's North Carolina lost. Right, it was a, conference. right, right, right. Yeah. But so I'd have to look back at, at all of NC State's and their upcoming schedule as well. But that's going to be a tough game. They got game. UNC at the end of the year, which okay. I, I think there's some trap game potential there because that's the rivalry week. Now they've sort of lost their chances of winning the Atlantic, but it's still a really good defense. And I think we do struggle against good defenses as evidence yeah. of Clemson. I'd, I'd rather, I'd say we have a better chance against Pitt, partially because it's at home, partially because it is an offense in pit that is it's a team in pit that's offensive minded i like our right. chances against those teams more yeah I, i'm with you there on, on that front the defense and now that the defensive tapes out there too a little bit on schrader how to contain him a little bit more i mean you want to take a game plan you could copy paste what louisville did right into this one if you're nc state and you should win this one probably by 15 to 20 points i would imagine um but looking at the pit game too i mean it, I'm not very confident that this team is going to, to go to a bowl game, and it's because the easiest opportunity you had on this final three-game stretch heading out of a bye week was Louisville off a bye, and it may have been your worst performance of the year. Like, that yeah, I don't think be, it may have been. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could. I think you could kind of throw Rutgers, but I, I guess from a, an all-three-phases standpoint, yeah, this one is probably the worst. Um, and I look at the... Coming out of a bye, you should at least be competitive. I'm not saying you have to be undefeated out of a bye like what Andy Reid does or Jim Harbaugh or whatever, or, or John Harbaugh, I should say. Um, but out of a bye, you have to be competitive. And, and that team was a team that wasn't competitive. And I'm afraid it's going to beat them two or three times down the road here. I know Josh Black was on ESPN Syracuse saying, hey, we can't let this game beat you two or three times. That was a sucker punch in the mouth that I think could have long-term ramifications on the confidence of this team. Yeah, you hope that it rallies them a little bit because it just felt like they weren't physical enough that Dino talked about in that game. And it felt like the bye just stalled their momentum weirdly, and it shouldn't have been that way because they did have a lot to play for in that game. But I do think their chances are about 40% simply because I think Pitt is a, probably a more winnable game than people will give us credit for. And that's because it's in the dome, potentially after Pitt has wrapped up the Coastal. And I think Pitt, if anything, is just probably a little overrated. They lost to Western Michigan. We're going to be able to score points on them. They just lost at home to Miami. They snuck out a game against UNC that they really got pretty lucky the way the weather turned in overtime. Kenny Pickett's probably going to torch us. But at the same time, even Wake Forest put up a lot of points on us, and we were able to keep pace in those games. I like our odds against an offensive-minded team a lot better. 
I look at, yeah, I'm with you. I like the odds against an offensive-minded team. But in perfect conditions, too, with, with this pit offense, when you move them inside a dome, I don't think they've played in any sort of conditions like this. I don't know if they had like a, a non-conference game at, at some sort of domed NFL stadium. But I'm afraid of what that's going to do against Syracuse's defense. And I look at, listen, it's one thing to say, oh, Pitt has the, the coastal wrapped up or whatever, and they're not playing for anything. Kenny Pickett's playing for something every single game. He's playing to be the a top three yeah. pick in the NFL every single game. He's playing to potentially move his way into the Heisman conversation as well every single game. So when that's your leader, when that's your quarterback, I'm just afraid. And, and this is something, too, that when Kenny Pickett does go into the NFL draft, if he puts up a monster game against Syracuse, you know what his agent's going to say? His agent's going to say, you know what? That was a defense right there that has guys that are going to the NFL. Garrett Williams, Michael Jones, Deuce Chestnut. He's going to say that's a defense that he picked apart left and right. And so I think there's going to be a lot of motivation regardless for, for this Pitt team heading into the Syracuse game. I don't, I don't care what, what might be wrapped up team-wise. There's a lot of personal things, I think, for this Pitt team too. Right. I mean, it's not like they're just going to rest their starters or something. It's no. not going to yeah. ever be like NFL standard or anything like that. And there's obviously a decent chance that Virginia beats Pitt this week, and that's a total moot point. And then all of a sudden they have a lot to play for when they're playing Syracuse. So I think that's all a good point. I mean, at this point, 43% feels about right to me. You're probably a little bit lower on them than that. I think you've been a little bit lower on the team as a whole than me mm -hmm. kind of in the second part of the season. But look, it's, it's sad that it's now looking as bleak as it is because going into Louisville, it was looking pretty good that they were just going to yeah. pick up one of those three wins. But when you lose by 38 points, it's a different story. Yeah, it inspires very little confidence, and it's it's just one of those things where you had it kind of laid out for you, and there's so many games. Again, people want to say, like, oh, th those games are in the past. You can't change the results of them. Yeah, but you had them laid out for you. Like, the Florida State game, the, um, the Wake Forest game, those are games that coaching ultimately determined the outcome, or lack thereof, determined the outcome. And when you drop those games and that becomes the trend and not the, not the norm, when those become the trend, that's what's troublesome is that now, okay, down the stretch, we said coaching is going to plague this team. Coaching plagued the hell out of them against Louisville. And I don't want that to be the case here for these final two games, because guess what? You're going to be at a hefty coaching disadvantage the rest of the way. Dave Doran's done a fantastic job. I think so has Pat Narduzzi. And you're going to have to really step your game up here down the stretch because these are not easy games. These might be the two best teams in the ACC. Yeah. All right, we're going to get into your Twitter thoughts in just a second. But first, we're back in better than ever, a new web interface to start the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's all over at Bet Online, which remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus. They've got everything you could ever want. It's a great time to be betting on sports right now. Syracuse has actually been pretty favorable, now 8-2 against the spread this year, according to betonline.ag. So it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Just head over to BetOnline, where the games start. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so getting into some Twitter thoughts here. I guess Twitter thoughts Tuesday, maybe we could call it. We're a little late on the pods this week, but we are recording on a Tuesday. And some good thoughts, as always, from the Twitter fan base out there. This wasn't necessarily a thought. We did run a poll. Kind of, uh, we'll get a, a look at the the basketball stuff too in a sec. But mm-hmm. where do you sit on Syracuse as a bowl team? Are they going to f- just basically find the win? Is it at NC State? Is it versus Pitt? Or are they not going to a bowl this year? Sixty two percent say no bowl. Twenty one percent say versus Pitt. Seventeen percent say NC State. Okay, so pretty. Uh, that was a little. I think what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. but uh, still a little bit more pessimistic. I thought people would be a little more optimistic that they could beat Pitt. But maybe not after right. that performance. Yeah, that was also during the game, too. Where I think yeah, people emotions were, just were high. Uh, yeah, I would agree. But no, I think that those numbers are pretty fair there. Uh, getting into some of the basketball thoughts here. Got a good one from Fumble Ruski. Nice Twitter name. He said, definitely better out of the gate than last year in reference to the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Unlimited offense. It is the D that will be the determining factor this year, in parentheses, like most. See what happens in Atlanta's tourney, and as we get run against high-quality teams, I will say, I think that's all good points there, the road ahead is looking a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. It's still going to be tough, but mm-hmm. VCU just lost to Wagner. That's your first game in Atlanta. So I actually think Colgate is probably a tougher team than VCU at this point. Georgetown just laid a complete egg against Dartmouth, which you can insert your Georgetown, it's yeah. 3 o'clock or whatever jokes yeah. there. Um, and Florida State got boat raced by Florida in the second half the other day. That's on the road. That's your first ACC game at the start. of And they the were December not a favorite month, in that game either. Yeah, it, it was a no. tough game. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Florida's a good team, but at the same time, they have beaten Florida seven straight years and they lost pretty badly in the second half. So yeah. I would say the ACC is looking down and Syracuse is looking a little bit more up than maybe some people were anticipating. So all of a sudden it's starting to, get a little bit easier when you look ahead, maybe. And from a confidence standpoint, that's major. I mean, you you need every little thing that you can get, every little psychological advantage you can get as you head into ACC play. So I, I'm I'm kind of like, we've kind of laid it out what, what uh, our guy Fumble Ruski was saying. He said that the defense will be the determining factor this year. And I think so far the defense has played a little bit better than I thought they would in terms of how the pieces of the puzzle are fitting early on. So... That, that certainly is going to be what we're watching. Here's one that I liked from Black Tower Radio. The comparisons to the Andrew White 2017 team, while at the time seemed reasonable, will be way off in the long run, in my opinion. This team's basketball IQ is much higher. The forwards are basically grown men. The backcourt has played together for three years. I think this is a top 25 team. I, I guess we get into the, to the conversation a little bit here. Of, do you think we will see this team in the top 25 in the next two weeks? I guess that will be the time to do it. 
I think you would need to win against maybe Baylor in that second battle for it. Well, you'd have I guess to go. The Bulls don't come out till after. I don't think you have we'll, to go we'll two and one game. in Atlanta. No. Yeah, I I don't see it. I mean, they are technically. But the if you go two and one in Atlanta right and you lose and your losses to Baylor and. and Again, yeah, they they have like the 36th most votes right now, but all it takes is one win to completely change your your identity in the eyes of the voters. Like, and some people think that Syracuse is right on the doorstep too. Like Andy Katz released his Power 36. He's got Syracuse at 27 right now. So, yeah. if if his poll was the almighty, they would be right on the doorstep and if they took care of business against Colgate this week, could find themselves in the top 25. You just got to keep winning games. And, and again, there's some things are out of your control, but we've seen kind of a topsy-turvy start to the season in college basketball. Some of those teams in the right. 17 to 25 range have really fallen off and fallen out. And Syracuse might be the team that's ripe for the picking where they beat Colgate and, and some teams have some untimely losses. You might slide your way in at 3-0 if you're looking impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think if they go 3-0 in Atlanta, it's definitely, but... If you go two and one, you would probably need that last win because I'm assuming they'll play Baylor. I'm assuming they'll beat VCU. If it's like a UConn or someone decent in that last game, I think you've got a decent shot. But if you just go out and beat VCU and Colgate, that's not really going to do much for no, that improving won't. you from 36. That's just no, doing two, your two job. early season losses for a team that was not in the preseason top 25 is not going to put you in. But if you just have one loss and it's a good loss and you go out and beat vcu and then take care of like a yukon or maybe i don't know how the the matchups work exactly in the bracket but you could take on michigan state you could take on loyola chicago yeah if you take down one of those teams th th then there's the conversation to be had that you should be in the top 25 and i think you will especially if it is a team like loyola chicago or or a michigan state or, or something like that right and by the way comparing this to the 2017 team I think we always meant that that was from a fun standpoint, not necessarily like a shot at this year's team, yeah. because obviously that 2017 team was terrible and their defense was 119th on Ken Palm. I looked back at the team. I mean, they gave up 93 to St. John's at home, 96 yeah. to BC and pretty much back-to-back -back games there. Yeah. Sort of around but from the a fun factor, like from yeah. a regular season fun standpoint, there was no team that was more fun than that team. Because they had the right. ability to beat anyone on any given night. You beat three top 10 teams over the course of the year. Very few teams can say that in the course of college basketball. And I think in this day and age where the net and Ken Palm is so much more heavily used when evaluating tournament teams, I think that team probably would have snuck its way into the tournament in this day and age. So they finished 55 in Ken Palm that year, but it's pretty amazing. I was looking back. They were ranked eighth going into that South Carolina game at Barkley. So that's off the final Jeez. four preseason top 20. Like I just, and yeah. we've had a couple teams recently that have been preseason top 10 or ranked in the top 10 in Ken Palm. And then they go and play their first non-conference game and get crushed. So yeah. again, this is just me sort of saying pump the brakes maybe a little bit. I think like the first point and the first tweet from uh, Fumble Risky Let's see what they got against the Atlantis competition. Yeah. Let's see what Atlantis, they got when we get into non-con. Atlantis won't tell all, but I think of it like when you're building a puzzle, right? Atlantis won't tell the whole story, but it'll kind of paint the borders for you. Like when you build a puzzle, you always start with the borders, right? I think that's what Atlantis is going to do. It's kind of going to give you a little bit of the structure. You'll probably see a couple warts exposed, but you'll also see, A, how good this offense is. I think it might accentuate your thoughts on the offense, 
But defensively, it might take a step back a little bit. But hey, if this defense shows up in Atlantis, then th- there's no doubt in my mind that, that we're looking at a top 25 team and one that should be in pretty comfortably on Selection Sunday if you can take care of business down in Atlantis. Yeah, and I'd also say Colgate coming up this week. I mean, Colgate almost beat NC State, and they were a tournament team last year. I'm not saying they're going to lose to Colgate, but I actually think that's a tougher test, even though it's at home, than VCU, because from a matchup standpoint, Colgate's going to come in, they're going to give us our best shot, and they have shooters to shoot over the top of the 2-3 zone, kind of like Drexel. VCU cannot shoot the three whatsoever, and I think they're just trending really down the way they played in their first couple games. So we'll see how Colgate's looking when, I mean, I know they play Cornell and one other game this week, but as it stands right now, I think we're going to learn some things from Colgate as well this week, which is exciting that we're getting to that point of the season where we're starting to get into it. I mean, Atlantis is next week. It's pretty amazing. I know, it's crazy. Feast week is upon us. Real quick, two that I want to hit on here. Um... One from our friend Neil Adler, who always tweets and listens to the show. Really appreciate him. Does great stuff at Inside the Loud House. Yeah. Um, he says, an assertive, aggressive, energized defense results in deflection, steals, and runouts. That, in turn, fuels the team's offense. I think he's 100% spot on right there. Um, th- there is a, a different level of activity. And I know the old John Wooden quote is, don't confuse activity for accomplishment. But in this case, activity is leading to accomplishment, in my in my opinion. And, and you see a lot of these deflections lead to these runouts. And again, it's against the Drexels. It's against the the Lafayettes of the world, but they've turned a gear, I think defensively because of the comfort level. I haven't seen teams look, uh, the Syracuse team look this comfortable this early on, especially given the amount of new pieces that are defensively. Yeah. I also, again, I, but it's like, they were going to look comfortable through this stretch. I don't think there was going to be any way that we get on here and say, I mean, I, I see what you're but saying. The rotations have looked where, good. Yeah, right? and the and the adjustments too. Like that second half adjustment to play with a little more pressure, move the forwards up a little bit more. That that to me is important. And, and in the past, like we've seen teams have monster shooting halves against Syracuse, and sometimes it bleeds into the second half a little bit. Right. And the fact that they have made those adjustments, I think, it goes to the coaching that Jim Beheim is doing, and, and the fact that this group is all bought in, which kind of leads me to the next tweet here from. FN, FMS online marketing when they need to turn it up they can at will they have so many weapons to go deepest Q's bench with talent in a long time and they all love one another like this team yeah. genuinely loves playing with each other and I think there's no doubt about that you can see that there's chemistry from kind of AAU roots it feels like when you look at guys like Samir Joe Buddy um, and uh, and Jimmy Beheim, like there is a continuity these guys know each other they a lot of them are northeast sort of guys too which I think we didn't really talk about, but like even Cole Swider, he's a Rhode Island guy. Like, um, yeah, go Pats. He was wearing the Pats jersey. Right. I saw it. Was that a Camp Newton jersey, by the way? Uh, It was a number one. So, yeah, I'm guessing I can't think of a number one in recent Pats history, at least one worth uh, buying a jersey of. I don't know. Maybe it was like a uh, custom Nikhil Harry right now. So, is it Nikhil Nikhil Harry? (laughs) But I could be wrong. Nikhil Harry switched to some lower number. You'll have to ask him. You'll have to ask him. But, no, it, there's a genuine love with all these guys. And I think that's very promising to see early on because the chemistry, the cohesion, the aggressiveness and alertness, it, it is above where I thought it would be at this point. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap up our pod today. We'll have more basketball thoughts tomorrow. I'm going to dive into Benny Williams because I think he's a hot button topic right now. Are we worried about Benny? 
our early impressions from him, maybe just early impressions from the newcomers as a whole we'll touch on tomorrow. And also, probably going to do some ACC power rankings. We touched on it. Syracuse 36 in the polls, so the fifth highest rated ACC team right now. Where would we put them in the conference conversation? We'll give you kind of an overview of where the ACC sits right now. But thanks for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen every single weekday. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.